What's going on, guys? Welcome to Calling All Craft Beers. I'm your host, Luke, and uh, today we got something special. We got our first guest from across the states, all the way over in California, Mr. Drew Butler, Pretzel Pros himself. How are you today, brother? Hey, Luke. What's going on, guys? I'm good, man. I'm good. Excited to have you on the show. We had uh, some fun, you know, technical snafus getting getting going, which is not uncommon for us podcasters out there. So this is uh, my third podcast. I used to do some sports nutrition related ones before, and it was always fun. You know, until we got everything set up with our soundboards and everything, it's like the first like 10 episodes were always joyful trying to get everything rolling. So uh, so tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and you know, where you're from over there, where you hail from over there in California. Yeah, well, I'm in Los Angeles. I live in a small place near the airport called Culver City. It's its own little cool city. Um, so I've been down in Los Angeles uh, for about 25 years. I'm originally from Northern California, so I'm a native Californian type of guy. And um, I've, uh, you know, I've uh, been in the pretzel game now for about the last four months. Um, there's a, a little bit of a long story about wanting to get the cart and not getting the cart and not really knowing the reason to get the cart. And then really what happened was my wife, while we were driving back and forth this summer, said, why don't you take the pretzel cart to the breweries? I was yeah. like, I was like, that is so genius. How could yeah. I not have thought of it? And um, awesome. I mean, like I told you, I'm a home brewer. I've been a home brewer for 20 years. Um, been in a couple, you know, homebrew clubs in the, you know, Los Angeles area here that, you know, a lot of brewers in the industry right now come from that club. And uh, it's a great industry. And, you know, obviously LA was a little late catching up. Well, we're full speed now. Um, I mean, literally full speed. And yeah, uh, a lot of good stuff going on. It's like, most of the brewers down here and, and breweries are just now really getting into like 16 ounce cans. You know, the the whole milkshake IPA revolution that's going on right now is something that you rarely find down here in Florida. Like I'll talk to my Florida buddies and it's like, you know, we're, we're so behind the times in terms of, you know, the, the rest of the United States that it, I'm so happy to have brew buddies like yourself that shoot me stuff from around the country because honestly, it's just, you don't get a lot of that stuff down here. It's just starting to kind of happen and some of these small breweries that are popping up are you know coming out with great stuff now that's kind of on the cusp of what everybody else is doing but it's still very 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 much behind the time so it's very cool to have buddies like yourself from across the states that can provide us with cool stuff to try so tell me a little bit about uh about what we we cracked open a site ipa from new glory and uh what do you think so far well, what I think is, um, you know, we're just sitting here chatting and having a beer and um, I'm just enjoying the beer and enjoying the conversation. And so it like that's kind of a good like just gut instinct of what's going on. Um, you know, I'm not breaking it down so much. Uh, you know, I tried to give it a little sniff right when we opened it and right when I poured it and I wasn't getting a lot of hop aroma, which is no worries. Right. And um, I like the, the flavor. It's just kind of, you know, not too bitter. It's got a good hop flavor. Um, and then it finishes clean and nice. And uh, again, it's just a good drinking beer right now. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm really enjoying it. It's just one of those uh, nice and smooth, you know, little, little bitter um, tap on the tongue when you first give it a sip, but it finishes good. It's solid and I, I'm enjoying it. It's good. 7.2% ABV. 
Um, like I said, this one's out of New Glory, which you said, I believe you said it's Sacramento, correct? Yeah, these are uh, some Sacramento beers. Uh, my oh. family's from, from up there, and um, that, this was kind of a holiday stop promoting the pretzel cart um, in some new areas because, um, you know, if, if, there, if an area doesn't have a pretzel cart or some pretzels coming to the brewery somehow, um, obviously there's something missing. Um, you know, what I always say is beer pretzels repeat, you know, hashtag. Uh, you yeah, know, it, absolutely. They're just a natural deal. And uh, I'm not sure um, if it's, you know, an all the all the, all around uh, all year type of snack. Um, um, certainly for Oktoberfest this year at Alesmith, I killed it. Um, nice. which, was a, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So, well, I'm ori- I'm originally from the Philly area, so Philly is known for soft pretzels and you know the uh, <clears throat> the old Philly traditional style pretzels. So, I am no stranger to pretzels myself, and uh, I mean it's a it's definitely something that I love. It's one of my kind of go to snacks if I'm hitting like a a world of beer or a you know just a, a regular beer bar. If I if I look at their appetizer menu and they do not have some type of a German pretzel or something on there. I'm disappointed. So it's definitely, they definitely go hand in hand. I think that saltiness of the pretzel mixed with, you know, a good brew is just, it just, it just complements each other so well. So let's get into the story about the pretzel cart a little bit. So tell me, kind of tell me, I know you said that it was kind of your wife's idea, but tell me how you really kind of got into it and just, you know, started pushing it. And now how, how are things going for you four months in? All right. Well, the beginning of the story really is probably literally a Grateful Dead show in the Oakland Coliseum, Um, you know, back in the late 80s when, you know, I was in high school in that area. And there was an old tripper that had like a handlebar mustache and a a velvet cap and was out there selling (laughs) his pretzels. And it was (laughs) it was just a good snack after the show. But out of all the people vending, you know, everybody's got their stuff there. And let's face it, most of the time at those type of shows with all the veggie stuff and goob all that, it's not very appealing. But right. um, I, I was I'm a pretzel fan, too. You know, any type of bread, literally, you're not going to you know, you're not I'm not going to have a problem with it. No. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just like you said, a good pretzel and beer, they go together. So that was like what you know, that's in the back of the mind. So. Last summer, I was, you know, going to a couple of Dead & Company shows and said, oh, you know, I should have some fun in the parking lot, Shakedown Street, sell some beers, some craft beers from where I'm from, and sell some pretzels, right? Um, Well, it didn't really come together um, until after the summer, and as I said, I really wasn't that committed to it. It was just kind of something I thought for fun. But after my wife, over the summer, said, you should take it to Three Weavers, and that was the brewery she dropped, because that's the... Um, hometown brewery that, you know, they've been in business now for a couple of years, maybe three year anniversary now. Um, gotcha. You know, the L.A. scene um, and, you know, Cali scene is in waves like, you know, some of the, the breweries, there's a couple of them that have been around for eight years. And that's kind of like our older breweries in town. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a few that are like three years and that type of stuff. So she said, take it to three weavers. And I was like, boom. I'm calling the guy, I'm getting the cart, and so then, boom, I, I got in the business. Um, I really started down in San Diego first because I get my pretzels from San Diego Pretzel Company. Um, okay. 
I was at a beer dinner one night with some of my beer bros from uh, some high school, um, you know, our kids go to school and that kind of stuff. And Tony Pease and Marina Del Rey does, a, you know, some beer dinners, which are really fun and really great. And we get a group of uh, guys together. And on the menu one night for the Oktoberfest was a San Diego Pretzel Company pretzel. It was their Munich pretzel. And that thing was to die for. Um, nice. I don't want. I don't want to get all excited about a pretzel, but it was a really good pretzel. And like we're talking about, you're having a beer. You need something to nosh on. Yep. Um, this was a beer dinner, and it was a it was a solid first course. I got. I just kind of put it in the back of my mind. I said the next time I'm going to San Diego, I'm going to stop into the San Diego Pretzel Company and see what's going on. So um, that took about you know three trips to San Diego before I actually did it because I mean you know how stuff goes. You yeah you you. you th- you see stuff along the way and you say, Oh man, I'm going to do that someday. And someday it takes a long time. So I finally made it down there. Um, I stopped at ballast point, um, for the first time ever, um, the homebrew shop. Um, I could tell you a story about that, but that's a story in itself, literally, um, (laughs) about, about, about two tales of two different homebrew shops, because I can, the, the homebrew shop, uh, that was in Culver city went out of business nine months ago. And I think ballast point two years ago was sold for a billion dollars. So those wow. guys, those guys killed it. Right. So anyway, I finally pick up the pretzels and I bring some home and I got the brew pub at the house. I got the four handles. I got the drew brew going. And, uh, so I invite all my buddies over and I serve pretzels like it's a brew pub. Right. And the pretzels are killer. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is really cool. So I have the product my wife finally, you know, gives me the idea of, you know, the who and the why. Um, so then I bought the cart and um, I, I killed it in San Diego um, right around October. Um, I went to Chula Vista Brewing. I went to Three Punk Ales. Um, nice. Some really cool breweries, like really cool. Like, wow, man, these guys have their identity and their flavor. And they're right, right. across the street from each other. And there ain't no problems. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, they love each other. Yeah. San Diego um, is such a cool brew town. Um, the pretzels down there really kill it. Um, they're always asking for their cheese. They're always whining for their cheese sauce down in San Diego. But other than that, I really dig it. Um, so anyway, um, after I kind of got my feet wet and was busy for like October through the end of the year, um, mm-hmm. I started working a little bit more on the LA breweries. Um, I've had, I've had, you know, pretty good success hitting things here and there. Um, and then I guess I'm just going to fast forward to how's it going? Um, well, it's going pretty well. Um, you know, obviously it's a cool business where I walk into breweries and I kind of say, Hey, I have a pretzel cart. And I say, when can I come by? Right. And most of the time they're like, uh, cool. Um, let me go check our book. And they're like, why why don't you come to movie night? Why don't you come to Thursday night? Um, we open early and, um, the people from Chevron get off early. So, um, you know, I've had some success with smog city, with El Segundo brewing, with LA ale works. Um, I haven't made it down to common space yet and I'm really looking forward to it, but I mean, there's like 54 LA breweries, um, I was out to five threads. Those guys were real nice. They had me out a couple times for the holidays. So the cool thing about my business is like, I'm a home brewer and I would have probably loved to have started a brewery, but that's expensive and scary. And I didn't have the balls for it. <laughs> I know, I know I if you can. I, I know it. if you could say T-I-T-S on this show, I could say I didn't have the balls to open a brewery, but yep. um, I, I had other things going on and I had a family going on and all that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm 
I'm happy with what I'm doing right now. It's great getting out to the breweries. Um, the joke for me is um, that, you know, I used to go to breweries and spend like $75 in a night, you know, hanging out, drinking beers. Yeah. And now I go to a brewery and they give me free beer. And I'm lucky if I probably make 75 bucks a night. So right. I, I flipped it around 100%. Um, I, I often tell people, you know, I'm not going to get rich doing this, um, but I am interested in expanding things. And as I said, um, I mean, literally, if there isn't a pretzel cart or a pretzel caterer in one of these little beer markets, there has to be. And yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's where I'm going with it. I, uh, I tried to do a little YouTube video about how to make a million dollars selling pretzels um, in 40 years or less. And um, so that's where I'm at now. And uh, I'm trying to have 40 carts by the end of 2019. I'm going to deliver a cart up in San Francisco for San Francisco Beer Week. Um, I got my first gig up there at Black Hammer Brewing on um, February the 4th. It's uh, SF Beer Week. Um, so that's the Monday after uh, Super Bowl Sunday. I'm super excited because, again, getting in the door is easy. The product is awesome. And then it's just kind of making sure that, you know, everybody's ready for a pretzel. Um, and if, if I if I got a captured audience or if I'm the only piece of food in town, I do real well. Um, and, the, yeah. and, and the only problem is um, when I do get next to, uh, you know, the food carts that are selling, like, great hamburgers – for like 10 bucks. Um, yeah. and I, and I got a pretzel, a, a double huge Bavarian pretzel for like eight and I'm going, Hmm, pretzel eight burger 10. If you want a real meal, the, the it's over. I mean, if you want yeah, a I snack and, and, right. and be fun, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's a tough one. But as I said, that's part of learning the business. Um, really, I guess if I had to sum it up where I'm at right now, I'm in my, I'm in the business for the first year. I'm in the part of the business where I'm paying my dues. So yeah. I'm going to places and, you know, it's not about making money. It's about making friends. Um, I really want to help the breweries because if they have a guy that has a snack that can keep them around for one more beer, that's what it's all about. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. They say, I mean, I'm going I'm to pull some John Taffer knowledge here for, from bar rescue. And he, he says that, uh, that people who actually have food, they st- they spend 52% more money on on alcohol when you can provide them with food. So having something there for them to notch on is definitely gonna, you know, have them hang around for another beer or two or three or who the heck knows. But dude, that's awesome. I mean, just kind of getting the g- gist of the story of how you got started and and the goal for 2019. I mean, 40 40 carts is amazing, and that's what I was gonna say is like. Obviously, I mean, having you get out there and build the business is one thing and getting your face out there and making a name for yourself. But ultimately, you know, if you want to make this something that's going to propel you and kind of, you know, be a legacy for you, you definitely need more carts, which is cool. Because the fact that you have an idea to do or that you have a goal for 40 carts for the end of the year is awesome. So pretzels are huge, man. And as long as you have a good product and and you have the personality that, you know, can be behind it, which you obviously do, it's um, I don't see you know, why you wouldn't have ultimate success and maybe have 50 cars by the end of 2019. So it's pretty awesome. And if, uh, <clears throat> like I said, I mean, for me, being down here in South Florida, there's no pretzels anywhere. You know, I mean, there's, we have pretzels, but I can tell you, I can probably think of 10 breweries within 20 miles of me right now that I've never seen any type of pretzel or pretzel cart or anything there. So, I mean, if you're ever thinking about expanding to South Florida, I may need some time to build up some revenue for a car, but hey, you never know. 
you know, it might be might might be able to expand pretzel pros down here to uh, South Florida. So you never know. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, again, like, as I said, if there isn't someone serving the market um, again, it's not a huge thing. This isn't a this isn't a lobster truck, you know, right. twenty dollars yeah, a plate making six hundred thousand dollars a year. It's a little snack that hopefully um, the guy with the cart um, can make some extra bread. Um, that's another thing about me, you know, as far as, you know, when I'm working with somebody, you know, it's pretty interesting and nice to be able to put some cash in a dude's pocket, especially Absolutely. a dude that like 40 bucks or 80 bucks, um, is, is a good, a good, a good day. Um, yeah, so absolutely. Yep. that's, that's been a great thing about, you know, being in business and, um, it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. So what do you do? What are you doing full time? Have you completely like invested totally in the pretzel business and kind of, you know, given up your day job? Or are you still working a day job and doing the pretzel thing on the side? Yeah, I kind of gave up the day job. Um, I was doing some uh, PE work um, with one of the school districts in town. And it was a lot of it was a lot of time um, for little work and little respect. Um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of coaching. Um, I've had some really good um, coaching gigs and um Seven years ago, I went back to school to you know pursue it and learn how to do it and all that. And then I wanted to get on campus and be full time. Um, nice. And the and the full time kind of messed up the afternoons in a couple ways. And then, as I said, um, I left my I left the PE job um, because it wasn't it wasn't it was it wasn't it wasn't giving me back what I was trying to give to it. Like I was right. trying to give give back to the kids. And yeah. I did a good job with that. I, I did a good job with PE. Um, and as an assistant, you know, you're getting paid like a quarter of what a teacher is for doing a lot of the same work. And then Absolutely. also yeah. they like to keep you at 19.5 hours. And oh. we, we, we know what they, what, why they want to keep you there. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I wasn't big on the benefits anyway. Again, I was trying to get back to the kids. I was trying to be full time on campus. So then by the time I had them in the afternoons, I'm making an impact. Um, I, I had a, another career, um, before that, which I thought was very much about me. Um, and I was ready to give back. Um, you know, I don't need to make it a secret. I was an actor, um, in Los Angeles. Um, I did real well at it. Um, but the work slowed down and I got a little dispassionate and I was very passionate about the kids, very passionate about the sports so much so that I went and got, you know, a, a degree and a, a, a continuing education to kind of do the things. Um, and then, uh, man, you get inside the middle of that, you know, meat grinder, which is public education. Like, yeah, you go, you go, honey, I need a pretzel cart. Can I borrow a thousand bucks? <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I mean, dude, we have, we have a lot of friends down here that, you know, are teachers and that are kind of in, you know, the, the public school system and it's, and it's hard. I mean, it's dude, you know, I've my, one of my wife's best friends has been a teacher for like 30 years. Her, my mom, my mother-in-law has literally been a teacher for good Lord, 45 plus years. She's still a teacher to this day. She's in her, in her sixties. And you know, it's, it's never been something for her that's been lucrative. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, when you have a spouse that has a career and the two come together, it, you know, you can, you, you can make an okay living as a, as a couple. But it's not something that is definitely going to be a lucrative, you know, opportunity. So definitely moving on your own and, and doing something like this, I totally understand. That's cool to hear that you were you kind of in that atmosphere because, you know, for me, I've been a powerlifting and bodybuilding coach for years. I mean, I, I at one point I had 22 certifications. I was a training director for a local gym, and um, it's been something that you know, health and fitness is something that I'm passionate about too, my, myself. So it's pretty cool, and I'm a little I'm a little round 
at the moment. Um, uh, three months, three months of no job will do that to you being stuck at home. And I kind of got demotivated, but you know, come the new year, I've, I've got myself back into the gym and I'm, and I'm working again. It, it kind of was a kick in the, in the pants when I got put on blood pressure medication, when they put me on BP meds that, uh, I literally was like, all right, it's time to really get back to work. And so I've been kind of hitting it hard since then and, uh, limiting my beer intake sadly, but, uh, <clears throat> we all know, I mean, craft beer, dude, there's tons and tons of calories in some of these beers. So I've been trying to, to minimize my craft beer intake to maybe two days a week versus seven previously. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you say that. And, um, yeah, uh, I know why you were, uh, gaining some weight, dude. It's called porch bombs, bro. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely, so, dude. Um, but just as an FYI, uh, I, I'm not big on it in, in a lot of ways, but I dropped 40 pounds last year. Um, I, and I, I kind of say it was kind of by accident because I wasn't really like, like I'm on a diet, you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. But I picked up the Fitbit style and I was at work and I'm in PE, so I'm walking around, I'm getting my steps. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in the gym and I, I, I was missing that, but I was active and I, I, I do refereeing on the weekends, right? And cool. really, that's what it was for me was that I wanted to get better at refereeing because I like it. And um, they're starting to shake some money at me that, that is actually pretty good. Um, so I wanted to do better at it. And so literally got more active, got an app that you were talking about the beers. Well, you could scan on, on the app, the beer can and be like, boom, buck, buck 35 calories. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. So you're talking about my then, fitness pal. Uh, no, this was uh, another one. I, I forget, uh, which one it was, Something uh, similar to lose it, gotcha. maybe lose it. I know um, okay. there's probably a million of them. Right. But no, that was kind of, it was fun. Like, um, like adding the stuff in because, Hey man, if you had a, a big Mac, um, you know what it was in there and you know, 1100 calories later, you could yeah. do the math. Right. Yeah. And that, and what happened to me was I finally figured out that it was just a mathematical equation. And it's like, if I'm supposed to be like, like if nothing happens at 2,730 calories, then what happens is if, if you're at 2,830, that over the course of like four years, you've gained a lot of weight, right? Cause you're out of balance. Right. Absolutely, so if you, yeah. could, if you can maintain, right. But then if you can lose that 135 calories, right. And then when, when it's right there in front of you and you go, well, hell I've had all my calories for the day. And like, I've had two beers and if I have one more, right. And it's, it, it's not, it's not trying to overthinking it, right. think it is that that drives us crazy, but it just kind of put it out there in front of me to go, okay, well now I know what a uh, 135 calorie beer is. Now I know what the guy in college, when I was hearing a nutrition class from some hacking <laughs> folks about, yeah. he's like, he's like saying, don't, don't worry about the burger, eat half of the bun. And I didn't really get it because like, I don't, I don't agree with the whole bun and protein and blah, blah, blah. But it was, it wasn't so much the, the, the style. It was literally just, we got to keep the balance. And if you can save yourself 135 calories from half of a hamburger bun, well, guess what you get to drink? My good beer buddy, Luke. Exactly, brother. Yeah. So it's, it's all about calories. It's all about calories in versus calories out. So the more you, uh, the more you burn, you know, you, you just want to be, you just want to be slightly less than what your body burns in terms of your intake. So as long as you're doing that, and I kind of, I agree, I agree. I think I've had the, the best success with kind of like a, an, if it fits your macros kind of lifestyle, which is basically just saying, okay, look, like my goal for the day is 3000 calories, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm a big dude. I'm, I'm, I'm short. I'm only about five, nine, 
but I'm 295 pounds. So it's, uh, and 295 pounds at less than 20% body fat, even being fat. So that's, uh, you know, that's just how, how I'm built. But for me, you know, I can easily eat 4,000 calories and still lose weight as long as I do it, you know, in, in, in the right way. And I continue to train the way that I'm supposed to. So it's a, it's a lot of fun, but I agree completely. Like I've, I've almost solely adopted that idea of, you know, eat whatever you want, but just make sure that you're controlling your calories overall. So, and I think that's, dude, it gives us the opportunity to have life, to be able yeah. to enjoy ourselves and to have those beers and have the things that you're doing. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out. I heard you open something else. So what'd you <laughs> I'm glad you did. Yeah, I I cracked open the Dankatronics. I did right, have I'm a little. Get it. I'm gonna grab it real quick. I did have a little order for myself, and um, while you're getting it, um, yeah, this one hit me in the nose. Big hops, nice and piney. Um, you know, kind of fat in the mouth, the same way. Like, yeah, these are some hops I like to taste. Um, I'm picky about my hops. Um, I like certain hops, and I don't like other hops. I'm me not too. big on a list of this and that, but I can give you one brewery. Um, that you know green flash those guys make incredible beer i don't like really any of them those really? hops that they use um they're just not in my wheelhouse so this yeah. beer is pretty good you got some in your mouth yet i'm about to hit it right now absolutely mm. wow that is good <laughs> the, nose, the nose is kind of piney i definitely have uh i definitely you know have that like piney hit and then um, it's the crazy thing is, is that this one's a double, which is 8.5% ABV, and it's almost as smooth and easy drinking as the Scythe was, which is a slightly different flavor profile, which, dude, I'm loving it. Like, this is great. I'm, 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 I'm feeling a little bit more of the strength of it, and um, I, I got a little bit more a body on it, you know. The other yeah, one was a little heavier. obviously yeah. lighter um, yeah. and you know, essentially, gosh, I mean, even 7%, man, those those type of beers, when they're that smooth, kind of get you in trouble. This one's oh, slowing me down this, just yeah. a little bit. This but. one's, yeah, this one's definitely, you know, you, you you have a little bit more body to it. There's a little bit more weight to the physical beer. Physical beer. The mouthfeel is kind of, uh, what am I? Wee bit heavier, like, you know, slightly heavier, but I definitely, I mean, dude, I, I'm enjoying it. Like, this is so far... We're into two. The only one of the, the the bomb that you sent me that I've tried so far, I left all the new glory ones for the for the podcast. The only one that I tried so far was I tried the uh, the Frankie Berry, and I enjoyed that thing a lot. Like the the indie one that you sent me, which was uh that one's a blueberry saison and six percent ABV, and it was dude, it was good. Like I I wasn't sure because I I'm not a big farmhouse sale, <clears throat> you know, kind of person like. The only ones I've had a couple from like Odd Breed and stuff like that that I've enjoyed, but um, which is down here in, in Florida, but um, but we're talking like heavies. Like I'm talking like a farmhouse ale that's like 14%, you know, like a heavy farmhouse ale. And right. So, so go ahead. So like saison style, you're 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 just not quite dialed into yet. Right. Exactly. And that was just something that I was I was like. Am I going to like this? But, dude, it, it was really, really good. Like, I enjoyed it a lot. It didn't have, um, <clears throat> like, when you think about a blueberry, you know, a lot of the, the problem I feel with the blueberry is that a lot of people expect, like, their brew or anything that says blueberry to taste like a blueberry when you put it in your mouth. And it doesn't. It has, 
it's hard for me to explain the blueberry taste. You get more of a blueberry nose than anything, but the blueberry flavor is almost like, um, I can't even think of how to like really pinpoint it, but I really enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was great. And, um, I, uh, I was surprised that the fact that, you know, one of the, one of my new year's resolutions, which I don't know if you heard on the pre one of the previous shows. Yeah, I know where you're, I, I know you're, yeah. where you're going and that's my nickname for you. ABV snob. No, just ABV. Uh, <laughs> I, I was listening to some of the early shows, and literally, if I could hit the ABV button every time you did it, I'd be right? ringing the bell. Absolutely, um, dude. But I, just, I, I, I think you, I think you did um, you did kind of slow up on some of it. You you reference it, but um, it's yeah. I mean, like you know, you probably like probably what you like, and then you go stronger sometimes and lighter sometimes. But Absolutely, you know. Yeah. You know, I think this is a good example of the two beers that we just had of like, you know, one's a beer that, you know, you can probably have a few of. And um, what we're now starting to get into the category of what I would call the two beer night. Um, I yes. brew my beers strong. I brew all my singles double. I brew all my doubles triple. I brew all my triples quad, blah, blah, blah. Right. Nice. Um, I like strong beers. I mean, like, yeah. why? I'm, I'm going to be out there for six hours brewing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why, why not, not make it why not add some yeah. more grain and make it strong it's the same Absolutely, amount of time yeah. i agree um, completely and that's the cool part is knowing that you are such a seasoned home brewer you know for me i've brewed five beers total so talking to you and i actually went to a homebrew class at uh craft beer cartel which is one of my bottle shops down here in fort lauderdale and the cool thing about them is they're actually a bottle shop and a craft brew house so you go in, they have your hops, they have your yeast, they got barley, they have oats, they sell everything that a home brewer needs to brew a beer. But they also do classes and courses where they teach you, you know, kind of the ins and outs. Like what we did last Saturday is we actually brewed, it was the the um, end of the season stout. So we did a uh, imperial stout. The goal ABV was about 9%. And, um, and while we were there, we got to try some really cool ones like one of the coolest things to me was I actually dumped a stout that I that I um I brewed one time. And so if we want to include that one, I've actually brewed six beers, but <laughs> I, I dumped my very first beer, which was a which was literally just an ale. It was a pale ale, it was a kit. It was one of those homebrew kits that my wife bought for me. And I did it and it hit and it got sunlight. And it I don't know, one of my kids ended up opening the door to the closet or something. And it ended up getting like in direct sunlight and I ended up getting just, it was just nasty. Like the, I ended up dumping that one. So that was like my first brewing experience. But then I, I did a stout. It was my first Imperial stout and it was horrible. Mm. Dude, I tried like cocoa nibs and there was some cinnamon and I, you know, I did a bunch of stuff to try to give this, to make this thing really flavorful. And it was horrid. I mean, it tasted like dog shit in a, in a cup. Like I, I just was like, I was so appalled at the flavor profile when I was done with it. And we're talking, it was like 11% ABV and I was all excited thinking it was going to be fantastic. And I dumped it and I learned a valuable lesson last weekend at the show, at the homebrew class is they told me, he's like, dude, if you brew a stout, as long as you keep it um, away from the elements and you keep it sealed, if it doesn't taste the way you want it to, when you first brew it, let it sit. He was like, because he, he gave us a stout that when they initially tried it, it was terrible. And they had sat for about six months and they brought it out and gave it to us. And Drew, dude, it was one of the best stouts I've ever tasted. It had like a 
blueberry, cinnamon, nutmeggy, like vanilla flavor to it. And it was so good. And I, it was wow. one of the best one of the best stouts I've ever had in my life. And he told me, he was like, I'm going to be honest with you. I was going to dump it and I forgot about it. And I let it sit in the back of the cooler in a, in a it was in a, a quarter keg. And um, about six months after it was sitting back there, I stumbled upon it one day because a guy, his name is Marcos. He actually is the manager of the store. He was like, I stumbled upon it and just hooked it up and took a, took a taste. And I was like, whoa, like, wow. That's not what this tasted like six months ago, <laughs> you know? So it was, I learned a valuable lesson that don't waste a beer in the future, unless it's something like comes, you know, gets direct sunlight or something like that. But so I was so upset with myself because I was like, man, if I would have just given it some time and waited on that stout, I spent about 90 bucks to brew that stout and I dumped it down the drain. So I was like, I learned a valuable lesson. So tell me, you got to have a home brewer, like crap story. So tell me about your worst homebrew experience. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, that's funny because, you know, my first beer was awesome. I did a kit beer that was like Sierra Nevada and it was like the freshest Sierra Nevada, you know, I've, I've, I ever had, right. um, you know, um, I'm trying to think like bad experiences. Well, you talked about like time. It might solve it. Anything. I literally have a keg of beer that I've had in a keg that I don't use because I use a uh, ball locks and this is a pin lock keg. So they're a little bit different fittings, right? Yeah. So this keg has been out like on the patio in the worst of conditions. Um, <laughs> I, I, I asked a friend of mine, um, a friend that I went to uh, Germany with, um, he does this incredible beer trip called the Sticky Warriors. Literally, if people want to look where he goes, I mean, he has a Facebook page and all that and all that, um, but does some good stuff. But I asked him, hey, this beer is sour. It's not good. Um, can I can I make it a sour? That's before I even knew what a sour was. And he's all, no, usually when the homebrew goes bad, um, it's just so predominantly sour in such bad ways that it's not the nuanced sour that you get from, you know, lambic so all that so um the same guys that i go out to that beer dinner with at tony p's uh i I used to throw friend fundraisers for the school i'd 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 throw a homebrew and sausage party right get like 50 guys give me like 50 bucks each and just make some money for the school right yeah and so for like three or four years in a row my boy phelps comes over he's all is that still the beer on the patio like and so this beer hasn't moved this beer now has moved to a new sp- a new place, and it literally holds down my canopy. If I opened it up, <laughs> I mean, it certainly would be an old ale. I think even the home brewing like badness that it existed when I first tasted it would have to be somewhat dissipated. Um, right. I-, I know it just ultimately needs to hit the hit the uh, you know the gutter, but um, I'm lucky, man. Um, I've been doing it for a long time, so that. Um, I literally have a lot of beers pretty dialed in. Um, um, that's the, that's the problem with me going to brew pubs, um, and new breweries. Um, I learned, I don't need, I don't need a a taster platter from a lot of these places, you know, Uh, I need like one or two of their very best beers and then I need them to be better than me. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm dead serious, man. I brew good beer. I got four taps at home. Um, (laughs) Uh, you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? It means I don't get out of the house much, but I'm also not driving around. Um, so if I go into a brewery and I go, Hmm, 
Uh, mm, you know, it's like, yeah. And I'm glad to hear that there's a couple places where you're at that are actually brewing good beer because yeah. just, just like what you said about home brewing, mm-hmm. really what it's all about is learning and learning this and learning that and trying it this way and trying it that way and dialing it in. And yeah. sometimes you're dialing recipes in, sometimes you're dialing your system in. Now my system, I have pretty dialed in to the point where now I'm like, oh Jesus! Um, I have a gravity-fed system, so I don't I don't need any electricity. And then I finally bought a pump um, because I am recirculating um, at the end of my mash. I'm gonna get fancy on you right now. Um, yeah. I, talk about learning, dude. I, I'm a home brewer. I've done it for seven years, and I've read the Papazian book, but I never had Zymergy, and I never had you know Brew Your Own magazine. Well, I sort of got the first Brew Your Own magazine article i read it was a sierra nevada um like featured month so they're like celebration clone like ovelia clone you know their belgian <laughs> line and yeah. i'm like oh my god this is awesome but what i found in every single like recipe that they tell the homebrewer to do is it says recirculate your mash to get the grain bed up to about a buck 60 a buck 65 right, Absolutely, right? Yeah. because mm-hmm. Your mash, you're mashing, I don't know, buck fifty. Right. Um, give depends and take. On, depends on what you're brewing, but yeah, absolutely. Yep. And then okay, so then you're getting your grain bed hotter, and then boom, my efficiency went off the charts. Um, I was low efficiency, and then after I started raising the grain bed, I was like, okay, man, I'm getting alcohol out of this now, and let's keep doing it. <laughs> but then I got a pump to do that with. The pump broke, and you know, I don't like to. I don't. I don't like it when. I don't like to fidget. I don't like to recreate the wheel. I like it when I figure it out and then let's just keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, the system that I have right now is gravity fed. You know, I don't have any pumps or anything like that, but um, I'm sure you heard previous episode. I had a great buddy of mine, um, David down in Texas, who actually, he's the guy who um, designed and built the Z chiller. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, so it's like, ultimately a work chiller, you know, and right. he, um, but he sent me one. Um, good buddy, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to send you one. I have one, you know, from the uh, original, like, group. He's like, I'm going to send you one. Because what I was doing, you know, to chill my word is I'm literally, like, using ice and, and bags and, you know, just doing whatever to try to chill it. So now I have this, and I have to redo my setup. But um, I'm excited to kind of see how, you know, what I can do. And I'm – dude, i sorry to interrupt my own conversation, but I'm laughing so hard because – I happen to be home alone tonight because the girls are all out and uh, my dog is snoring like a bear. Like, dude, in the background, she's sleeping and I'm sitting here talking to you and she is, I don't know if you hear her, but she's snoring like a bear. It's so funny. But um, but I can't wait to finish, you know, my new setup and kind of get everything going. One of my struggles is I live in an apartment, you know, so for me, I don't have a lot of space. I don't have a lot of places to put like my fermenting brews when they're done, which is why I've had an issue with one being exposed to sunlight in the past and stuff like that. So I'm hoping um, that in the you know next year, let's say maybe a couple of years that we'll get back into a home, a house, and I'll be able to actually kind of set up my own thing in the garage and do my deal. But it's, it's definitely something that I want to put more effort and energy into because I want to make my own beer. You know, when you think about how much money we spend on beer, it's just, it just makes sense to brew your own. So tell me for, from you, what's your favorite brew that you brewed yourself? Tell me about it. Tell me, give me some specifics, you know, 
And, you know, I don't want you to lay out the recipe for me, but tell me about the brew. Like, get excited and tell me what you love about your favorite brew that you brew yourself. Well, I mean, my IPAs and my double IPAs and my triples, um, I think all of those kind of meld into one. I don't necessarily have, you know, a home recipe that, you know, gets me all that excited. Gotcha. So I guess maybe the recipe that gets me excited was um, I was doing a, you know, basically an annual beer, um, you know, kind of around the Christmas time. Um, I was doing a spiced Imperial Porter. Um, I got I got bottles out there from 2011 that have SIP on it. I'm like, what the hell does SIP stand for? You know, <laughs> spiced Imperial Porter. Um, so, yeah, so I was doing some porters. I like big dark. I mean, I like big beers. So the, the strong yeah. stouts, the strong porters, um, and, 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 and again, the, the whole holiday theme. So I was putting some cinnamon, I was putting some vanilla, and I think I was putting some clove. I think those were the three. And like you were saying with the spices and the fruits and all that, um, you want to, you want essences. You, you don't want to be, yeah. you know, you don't want to be kicked in the teeth with this stuff. Exactly. Um, yes. So, um, you know, yeah. I, I'd done some beers that, and again, you, you make these beers high alcohol so they can last. Um, yeah. you know, most of these times it was like, I'd be like, well, geez, it's, it's like, I'm thinking about brewing a, a beer for the holidays and it's like, it's like August. I can't brew a big beer and do it this August. So some of these beers were getting released as holiday gifts, like the year later. And so, um, yeah, certainly the spiced Imperial, uh, Porter, that's, uh, that's one of my oldest beers. Um, I know I still have like two bottles of those in like awesome. little tiny, tiny champagne bottles. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess I can definitely get excited about, you know, one of my oldest beers and uh, the holidays and, you know, my, my brewing, just like my food and my baking, you know, it's a craft, man. And, and I spend six hours and I give it to you and it's my love. And yeah, if you don't, absolutely. if you don't get that, then, uh, then, you ain't getting it. <laughs> and Absolutely. trust me, I'll, I'll buy you something else. So I hear you. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and just one other thing that you're talking about in terms of money that um, when I was a home brewer back 20, 25 years ago, um, the, the, the story was you could brew better beer than you could buy. Absolutely. And then some, some things changed. And then all of a sudden, like we could actually get really good beer. Um, you know, the home, again, I'm talking 20, 20 years ago. So there weren't any breweries around, but right. you could, you could get some beers from maybe Portland. Um, I mean, I mean, have you heard of hop Otten? No. Okay. Anderson Valley. Um, again, this is 10, 15 years ago. It was the IPA that put IPAs on the map. It was like the first beer that people talked about. Um, nice. If there was social media, it would have been a billion hits. Um, it was a <laughs> hoppy beer. Um, and nobody was making like um, those type of beers yet. Right. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about Pliny. Have you had Pliny yet? No, I haven't, which is, dude kills me because i'm part of one of the um facebook groups that i'm part of is called craft brew junkies and these guys like every other person is like hitting the pliny like every other day and i'm like dude i need you know to try i haven't actually had anything from russian river at all because it's just there's no distribution down here in florida at all for them you want to hear a really funny story that sucks yeah 
<laughs> so I went to Russian Rivers uh, New Brewery uh, in Windsor for the holidays. Um, it's a uh, northern, you know, California, north of San Francisco, Santa Rosa, and uh, it's kind of north. Uh, it's kind of like Napa wine country. While I was in Sacramento, it was two hours away, so I was like, I'm I'm hitting it. Um, Russian River normally has a really killer happy hour in their downtown Santa Rosa tap room for uh, for Sundays. All their beers all day are like four bucks. All their beers all day are like four bucks. So anyway, um, made it to the brewery. Oh, my God. I mean, I really personally enjoy visiting the breweries. I like to see the stainless steel. I like to see the bubbling. I like to take off the bunghole and stick my nose in the lambic. And um, although I didn't see anything fermenting and all that, um, it was a great trip. I got a bunch of beers, a um, couple beers. You know, maybe they'll be a little bit on the sellable you know, special occasion, bottle, share nights, that type of deal. Right. And I didn't pick up a case of Pliny, although, I mean, people were walking out of there with, like, two cases of Pliny. Pliny is, like, in L.A. when the rage was happening, you know, nine years ago. I mean, people would go into the local bottle shop, and they would go into the freezer themselves and wow. grab the secret stash um, to the point where <laughs> – one of the, this guy Rick over at Beverage Warehouse said, "I'm not going to carry it anymore. It's just ridiculous. You know, right. the whole Twitter like, we got it. Come get it. Um, so, anyway, I I thought I kind of forgot where I was going with some of it there, Luke. No worries, dude. You had you were talking about the uh, a funny story that you had at the uh, at that brew so, house that you went. Sorry, to. yeah. So I picked up some Pliny's. I had one left. And I was like, should I send this to Luke? Well, I got like six cans that are pretty light. And then I got this Pliny bottle. I and know. I was like, it's my last Pliny. So guess right. what I did? You drank it. I drank that, man. Hell I'm, yeah, dude. I'm so sorry, dude. No, don't be uh, sorry. Come on, I, brother. That's awesome. You know, I uh, I didn't know whether you had it. I certainly didn't want to send it across the country if you had it. But No, no worries. Yeah. Anyway. Honest, honestly, dude, I mean, I haven't had it, but. Dude, I would have done the same thing. I actually sent out a bomb today to uh, one of the um, to um, one of my contest winners, and I got kind of stuck, you know. To be truthful, like got busy with my new job, you know. I mean, I you know, we I know you, you listened to the podcast, you knew that I was out of work for a while, and I got back to work, and I've been really busy, and I just haven't had time to get out and send some stuff that I needed to send. So I finally had a date, some time today, got one out. And I got a, a few out. Actually, I sent like three out and um, that were due. And I the last one that I sent, I actually the guy, um, his name is Andrew. He's awesome. You know, dude up in uh, in the Chicago area. So instead yeah. of hooking me up and I sent him a 2016 um, due south Mariana Trench. It's a, their Imperial Stout. And I love it. I mean, I was so excited for him to get it and try it. And when he got it, he told me that, you know, dude, the bottle had like come open on shipping and there was like it had leaked and there was some some uh, it just it just wasn't good. Like something happened yeah. to it in shipping. And I was like, son of a bitch. I'm like, yeah. I will never get another one of those. Like I had three of them and I drank two and sent him one. And I was so bummed, you know, that. So I made sure that this uh, bomb that I sent out today with the bottle that I, I, I waxed the bottle. I got it set up really nice, you know, and. And made sure that it was packaged per properly and, you know, uh, sent it to them. I mean, I'm always really, really careful with the way I package my beers and make sure that they go out to everybody the right way. I don't ever want somebody to receive something from me that 
was packaging improperly and ends up being messed up. But it was a bummer because I was like, dude, I mean, this guy has gone like above and beyond. I mean, his last bomb that he sent me was like 12 Chicago brews. Like he went up mm. and, he, and he sent it to me without me even knowing. Like he it was on the truck and he texted me and he's like, hey, you got a bomb headed your way. And I'm like, dude, you're amazing. Kind of like the same thing you did. I mean, you just sent it to me without even talking to me. <clears throat> I didn't yeah, know but- it just showed up. And I was like, damn, you know, because. I love that. But in the same respect, it's one of those things as a guy where you want to make sure you always take care of your people. So you're like, you know, right now I've got like three or four people waiting on return bombs. And I'm just like, I got to like space my time out and take my time to to get stuff back out to people just financially. I mean, after being out of you know work for three months, it's it, I got three kids and a wife and I'm like, I got to I have to get permission from the missus, <laughs> you know, to spend money on beer. So but um. But the cool thing is we got we've got some really great events. Like I went to Maple Bacon Coffee Porter Fest two weekends ago, and then uh, we have a bottle a, a can release for Invasive Species, which is one of my favorite breweries down here in South Florida on okay. the 31st. And I'm really really excited about that. I'm gonna go grab a couple of four packs from them and uh, space some of those out to some of my buddies. So and um, <clears throat> I'm just excited. So. But Pliny is one of those ones. Pliny and Blind Pig are like the two from Russian River that everybody seems to be like, you know, gung ho about. And it makes me laugh because, you know, it's like they're like, oh, well, it's the original double, you know, IPA. And I'm like, all right, you know, I I see where you guys are coming from. But I've had so many good beers that it's hard for me to just focus on one and say, okay, that's like the original. You know what I mean? Because we're from totally different, you know, arenas or areas in terms of you know, just geography in general. So for you, how far away? Well, I, I'm before I even ask this question, I got to try to think off the top of my head. Where is 450 North? Are they in California? 450 North? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm familiar with them. Okay. They may not be in California. It might be like a New Mexico or something like okay. that. I, I got to look at it, but I just got a, a bomb from one of the guy, one of the listeners. Actually, I posted up a, I was looking for a Phoenix tears, which is their quadruple IPA. It's okay. a 12% ABV IPA. I haven't actually cracked it yet. He sent me a Scubert from Brewery West, um, and he sent me a uh, Hip and Hop from Monkish, and I've had both of those, which are both amazing. Um, the Scubert was probably my favorite. Like, I'm finding that as much as I love a nice hoppy IPA like these Dankatronics and Psyche, you know, sometimes the sweetness just kind of offsets a really good, like, New England or, like, a hazy. And Lejeu from Alarmist over in uh, the Chicago area is absolutely amazing. It's five. It's like 6% ABV, you know, 5. 5.8, 5.9, 6%, somewhere around there. But, dude, it is an amazing hazy IPA. It's kind of on the sweet side. It's not exactly – it's not real bitter or hoppy, but it's just on the sweet side, and it was so, so good. And then Scubert was very similar, you know. 7.2% ABV, I think. And I just loved it. Like I cracked this thing open with no expectation whatsoever. And it was like, it blew me away, you know? And I was like, this is 7% ABV. Like this is like my bottom tier in, in my thought process. You know, it's like, okay, so 7% is like the minimum of any beer that I'm comfortable with. And over the last, over 2018, so to speak, you know what I mean? And I loved yeah. it. I mean, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And Lejeu was actually the one that kicked me in the teeth and was like, all right, dude, stop being such an ABV snob and, you know, be okay with a 5.8% or a 5.2% ABV. And so, uh, and just stop worrying about the alcohol content and just enjoy good beer. 
You know what I mean? So did you guys did you guys ever get caught up in the session IPAs? You know, it there's there's a few down here. You know, believe it or not, that's actually more of a popular style down in South Florida than a lot of the others. I mean, it's you know, you won't find very rarely will you find a triple in South Florida. You'll find a session, you know, and Jay Wakefield, um, Tripping Animals. You know, there's my MIA Brewing Company, Cigar City. You know, all of those have come out with their session IPAs. And it's I've had probably two that I would write home about. The rest, I've just been like bummed. You know, like I open it up and I'm like, eh, you know, it just doesn't punch me in the teeth, so to speak. You know, my my taste buds aren't dancing in terms of uh, the session. So that's kind of, and, I, and believe it or not, that's kind of what pushed me to uh, to really go to the higher ABVs was having kind of a couple sessions that kind of like uh, bummed me out, so to speak. You know, 4.8, 5.2%, stuff like that. So, I mean, it's one thing when you're on the lake, but, um, you know, if you're out for the evening, uh, you know, you're probably having a couple beers and you're probably getting on with it. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I finished my Dankatronics. Where are you at? Now, when you say finish, you mean the whole damn can? Yeah. Good for you. I finished both. What's next? I psyched at my Dankatronics. So I got two empty cans here that I got to save for pictures. (laughs) I I got some work to do. So what are you thinking on our our next brew? I don't know. I accidentally opened up Copious. You want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I got it. I'm going to grab it. Yeah, I was looking at my order to kind of do a proper order. Um, I mean, you know I'm a beer judge style, so I got to I gotta do the proper order. Can't blow right. it out early and go back. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny. You talk about juicy IPAs and East Coast. Um, I'm not a big trend guy. I'm a big, like, find a beer I like and then just keep hitting it you know what i mean yeah absolutely. I, I think they used to call that being a budweiser guy you know what i mean <laughs> get me my pliny right or whatever else it is um you know I, I literally have my beer of the year and i go to it uh, i talked about three weavers um you know again i i, I don't get out my you know three rivers have been you. around for a while and um Finally, I was at a burger place one night, and they had three weavers. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to my local pour. Literally, it's the only beer, you know, within four miles being brewed. And uh, so they had this thing called Expatriate, an IPA. Stuck my nose in it. I was like, I lit up, you know. Again, I'm not going to drink it first. I'm going to smell it first. And it's like, if you got the hops in the nose right, I'm excited, right? We got got one of the three hop components so far. Uh, And then if I get into it, it's got some hop flavor, um, like – yeah, I mean, I want some hop flavor. I want to, like, I want to have something there. You know, we only got four ingredients, so let's chew on it. Um, so that was that year. I remember, you know, Union Jack, that was Firestone's uh, IPA. And, again, a lot of these beers were back before. I mean, nowadays, yeah, it, it might be tough to have a beer of the year because you've tried, like, 400 of them. Right, exactly. Yep. So, you know, Monkish, it's so funny because i know john porter from across the street at smog city he was in the homebrew club he's a great guy his wife Lori is awesome um their brewery is awesome all their beers it's a great spot right across the street monkish 
I guess Monkish is incredible too. Um, I, the first time I went there, they had a sign on the wall with a red slash through it that said IPAs. Wow, really? And I was like, I'm not going to get very far here. So it was a brewery that I, I always appreciated from afar. They would do like a rose petal saison, or oh uh, yeah, they they were doing some more interesting Belgian stuff, um, right. a little bit of a little bit of flair and craftsmanship. But they weren't making IPAs. Well, here it is. What is it? Two and a half years later, three years later, they figured out what was going on. They figured Absolutely. out what people wanted, and they just. They, I think they removed that sign and put it like, like less right in your face because it was so like fun. over the door to the brew house. And wow. so I visited them um, the other day, and um, you know, obviously social media, Monkish. I mean, there's probably not a better brewery in Southern California for having buzz. Right, I agree. And so I keep getting these feeds about like bottle release or can releases and I'm 25 minutes down the road, even probably in bad traffic. And like four o'clock you figure out they're having a can release. Well, like six 32 it's over. Oh yeah, dude. They're, yeah. That's like four fifty. you know, four fifty North, which they're the same way, dude, where it's like they'll announce a can release like 11 AM. You know what I mean? On, on like a Thursday of all things. And they'll have a line of people like three and a half blocks long doing bottle shares in the parking lot, hanging out, enjoying each other. And next thing you know, it's like 12.03 and they're out completely. Ooh. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, and, they're, and they're, um, their big thing right now is slushies. They're doing slushy style like Berliner Weisses. You know, they're doing like a. The one that I had recently at Maple Lake and Coffee Porterfest was, um, uh, why can't I think of the name of it right now? It's good. like something sunshine. Like it was like they're doing strawberry and they're doing grape and they're doing peach and they're doing all kinds of crazy flavors of like a slushy style Berliner Weiss. And then they're doing these crazy like strong IPAs where they're doing like their quadruple IPA, 12% ABV, you know, the, the, uh, the um, Phoenix tiers which I haven't actually tried yet, but one of the cool ones that I really enjoyed that I had again at Maple Bacon Coffee Porterfest was they had a flapjack nuggets, which is one of their stouts. And it was, it's basically a maple, very similar to a maple bacon coffee porter. Um, but it's a stout. So it's a little bit on the sweeter side, a little bit softer. wasn't quite as thick as I was hoping for, but it was very, very good flavor wise cinnamon, maple, a little bit of smokiness to it. Very, very good. And then they had their one of their um, single IPAs. It was a hazy, which was uh, it's called Haze Nuggets, and that's kind of their deal. A lot of their stuff is called Nuggets something, you know. <laughs> and it was a uh, it was really good, you know. One thing I'm noticing about this copious is that it's a little bit hazy, you know. It's actually kind of like has a has a nice hazy look to it. The nose is just incredible. I'm just getting a huge citrus nose, and I'm. Dude, you're you have not disappointed. Like I'm this is number three and I am I'm enjoying these new glory brews. Absolutely. I think I basically walked into New Glory and I said, uh, hey, I'd love to taste whatever you got in the can. You know, sometimes these places don't have in the tap room what they have in the can. Right. You know, yep. All it is is like you buy it and you try it and it's like, Are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's a tough way to go. But I, I, I tried most of these and like all their beers are pretty uh pretty solid and um yeah this one is a little hazy it's a little lighter in color um 
you know, you said citrusy, and right after you said it, of course, I can I can kind of appreciate that side of it more. I uh, I was thinking this was starting to get into some hops that weren't right quite as working for me as much as some of the others that I like. Um, but we're doing all right. I agree, and I think like for me is um I, I if I had to pinpoint anything in particular, I would definitely say I think between the two doubles, Copious and Dankatronics, I enjoyed Dankatronics slightly more. Um, but Copious, it's good, and I you know like like if we were if we were going on tap ratings, you know right now I'd probably be around a three point seven five three point five for Copious, four point oh for Dankatronics. Um, honestly, with Psyched, even though it's a single, I would probably be a little bit higher in the 4.25 range because I just I just think it was a really complete brew. You know what I mean? It was one of those ones where you drink it and there, it didn't leave anything to be desired. Yeah, I, I didn't have too much to uh, read as far as, but now that I see on the can, they got some Amarillo, they right. got some Denali. Um, I mean, Denali, who knows what that is? Oh, there's some Mosaic. I mean, Amarillo, Mosaic. And then what the Danktronics had Simcoe and Citra. I yeah. mean, between those four hops, um, I don't need 132 other hops to be honest right. with you. I agree. Um, yep. But everybody's playing around with them, and the best part about it is just like wine, when you go in, you wine taste. Like everybody gets to figure out what they like. Um, yeah. but, but then the yep. problem for the breweries is that after you've experimented and after you've found out that okay, maybe it's Nelson Sauvignon or whatever that one is. I mean, I think Alpine Brewing in, uh, in San Diego, like that's what put them on the map with their happy birthday and right. um, their duet or whatever. I'm not a huge fan of that hop. I mean, I like those beers. And then as, it, as some of those hops get singled out, I'm like, uh, no, I'm not really. Right. But again, thank goodness they're doing it. I mean, the single hop stuff, like, Okay, yeah, no, I like Citra. Oh, yeah, Amarillo, bring it on. Uh, Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, some of the others, uh, I play around with it. I mean, I was playing around with this hop called Belma. Um, you know, okay, I mean, there's a lot of hops out there now. Let's let's figure it out. Absolutely, yeah, and it's crazy just to see even some of the American breweries. Like, down here, they're they're starting to dive into, like, South, South African hops and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff that I've heard of. So it's been pretty cool, like seeing hops from like New Zealand and Australia and stuff like that. So, so what I'm going to do now, <clears throat> we're, we're up over an hour, which is the longest episode we've ever had. And I'm sure you and I could probably talk forever, but I'm going to, I'm going to do you a solid and ask you, are you, are you cool for a little bit more time? Or are you ready to go? What are you, what are you looking for? Oh no. Just like you said, man, now we're drinking out, having beers. Um, awesome. Good. It's all good. Cool. Okay. So, now, I'm going to put you on the spot, and what I'm going to ask you is right now, truth be told, 100%, not including your own homebrew, what is your favorite brewery? Not California. What is your favorite brewery, period, right now? Brewery G. DeMullen. Brewery G. DeMullen. Where is that? <laughs> hey, you asked me. I got an answer for you. Um, um, yeah, this is a, a brewery outside of Amsterdam. Um, they do a festival called the Borefs Festival. Um, that's where I went with my buddy Fred. Um, you know, he goes to some beer bars. He goes to one or two breweries, uh, maybe a festival here or there. 
this festival outside of Amsterdam, it's not Rotterdam, and I can't remember the name, but let's face it, everybody can figure out anything. So <laughs> 2009, um, we're going to this beer festival, um, and these guys brew like badass craft beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about liking a stout? Well, they'll 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 brew a stout with you know coffee that's been through a monkey. I don't what? know what. You- I don't know what Dude. I don't know what they call that stuff. Coffee that's been through a monkey. After the monkey craps out the coffee beans, those guys are brewing beer with it, right? Um, so it's wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, no, we got to keep going, man. It's brewery de <laughs> Go, 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 go. No, no, no. no. Um, so anyway, yeah, they. I mean, these guys were, you know, again. Now, if this beer festival was ten years ago, I mean, even in Europe, probably with like craft breweries. Like, all that stuff was just coming online, right? So yeah. anybody that was doing something that was, A, good, and B, had a story to it, um, I didn't know anything about it. But um, I went um, – I think Mick Heller was at this festival. Right. One of my one of my buddies was talking to Mick Heller. Um, but I was locked up with these guys because they had about 12 beers. All these beers are like 10, 12, 13%. They're doing stouts in cognac barrels, stouts in, you know, port barrels. So these are all big beers and interesting beers. And, I mean, IPAs, that that wasn't what this thing was about. Um, So, anyway, it was just a a really indelible experience. You know, it's it's made in a windmill, and um, you're in Amsterdam, and so – it's yeah. just, a, you know, one of those really emotional and, you know, ones that you hold dear. I was really trying to get to the Bereft Festival last year. Um, I mean, even United had a, had a flight for like $500. I mean, wow. going to Europe for like $555. Like, even when you go to your wife and said, the plate ticket's only 500 bucks. I mean, I can spend, I'll stop drinking craft beer for three months. <laughs> it's simple. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, didn't get to do that last year. Um, it was kind of like the anniversary of, you know, the 2009 or whatever. My friend Fred, he goes every year, um, um, does some does some good tours. Um, if I had to put a second place, I mean, man, I went to West Mall. Um, I didn't go to the, the, the monastery, but I went to the tap room um, that they have next to the monastery. And, you know, it's an October, it was an October day. It was miserably kind of rainy and dreary. And, uh, but talk about like things again that just like you 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 tingle when you're there and yeah. um, the stacks of crystal cut goblets. Okay, so they have a goblet. You know, Belgium they're big with their glasses and their beers, right? So mm-hmm. Westmall has you know a nice full goblet for their double and their triple. And there's like stacks of like um, 15 of them on a tray, and then there's another tray of them with another 15 of them stacked. And so they have these towers of these goblets, and you go all this place is for is to drink crystal liquid love out of these crystal (laughs) goblets. Yeah. And you go, man, this is, this is what life is all about. And then everything we do in between is what we do to give ourselves these moments. And, um, you know, I don't need to wax nostalgically too much about beer, but, um, beer has certainly brought me together with a lot of friends. I mean, a lot of my friends here in LA, um, out of, the ones that have lasted and haven't lasted, um, the guys from Homebrew, my Pacific Gravity Homebrew Shop, um, I swear there's a there's a handful of them where, you know, we started off going to the, you know, little homebrewing festivals together and, you know, camping together. And, you know, you spend some time just beyond the meeting 
and you know you get to know people um that that same that same homebrew club turned into those trips to europe um with fred and the sticky warriors to um dusseldorf germany where um urga which is the brewery they do a sticky beer two times a year um and fred goes either for the october or the october in january now even the people in um dusseldorf don't necessarily know when it's happening because right. the brewery, the brewery pu- puts a sign up like the week before that says sticky day and, right. and Fred knows about it and he's dialed in. And, you know, just like we said, when we were talking about learning about homebrew and, you know, it's certainly nice when you got a tour guide and, uh, I had a good tour guide through, uh, through, uh, um, Europe. Um, you know, I'd never had Belgian beers. You talked about Saison's. Well, give it a shot, bro. Wait, because, um, one of the favorite beers from that trip is uh, a Vec Le Bon View, um, and uh, brewery is that Dupont Saison Dupont, um, yeah, a Vec Le Bon View, and that beer was just like man, talk about it, it's kind of like the double IPA of Saisons, and it's a holiday beer they do annually. Um, I think it means something good luck or whatever for the holidays, and that beer was like wow, awesome. and all these Belgian beers. I mean, we can be, we can talk German beers, we can talk West Coast beers, um, but once you get into these, these champagne of beers, oh, yeah. um, the elegance and the sophistication and the, and the history, um, it, it's pretty interesting. Absolutely, dude. Like one of my favorite breweries, like in all truth, is Saint Bernardus, you know, which is you know Belgian. App Twelve is one of my favorite, you know, beers that you can buy on the shelf. I mean, it's 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 a Belgian quad, and uh, I think it's like. 10% something like that but um that's just amazing overall and the funny thing is to have you mention you know how like the craft beer community has like kind of brought you you know lifelong friends it's cool because i i see that and i laugh because and and let me explain because someone like myself who is very in depth into the fitness industry you know what i mean the health and fitness, you know, like, um, sports, nutrition, supplementation, stuff like that. I have a lot of friends in that industry, but I would probably cut them off at mm, the term friend acquaintance, you know, things like that. Whereas beer has garnered me brothers, you know what I mean? And that it's crazy because it's like, it's, you laugh because we're like, okay, you know, um, one of the things I mentioned, you know, in a, in a previous podcast, and it's hundred percent true is I'm a Christian man. You know, I, I believe in the Lord and I, I love the Lord, my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And that's, uh, it's something that's important to me in my life, but it's not even it, 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 there's the two can coexist. You know, a lot of people believe you can't like beer and be a Christian. You can't like beer and drink alcohol. Well, you can, you just have to do it in such a way that you're, limiting yourself and whatever else. But at the end of the day, I'm closer to guys that I've met through craft beer than any other aspect of my life, be it fitness, Christianity, life, it doesn't matter. And it's crazy to think that this is something that a lot of people want to say that is taboo and that we shouldn't be involved in and blah, 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 whatever. But at the end of the day, for some reason, the craft brew community is absolutely amazing. And it just, I mean, 
to have people that I've never been involved in a, in a community of people that will, without question, literally just send you beers with no desire for anything in return, just to see what your reaction is so that they can make you happy. And that, to me, is just the, the sheer joy of being human. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like for me, my goal every day is to make somebody happy. And if it's beer, it's beer. If it's fitness, it's fitness. It doesn't matter what the case may be. But my goal every day is to make somebody happy. And it's it's really cool to to kind of hear you kind of uh, reciprocate that in terms of, you know, your craft beer buddies and the places that it's taken you and the experiences that you've had and cool stuff like that, because that's that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I haven't had quite as many cool experiences, um, unfortunately, at this point. I'm a little bit younger than you. I'm 39. I'll be 39 next Friday. So um, I think you're, you know, like 60. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And you sound like 5'11", dude. <laughs> no, I'm totally breaking your balls. So, but. Um, so, yeah, no, we're 10 years apart. And uh, for my 40th birthday, I want to do a big trip. So I. You know, I'd been in a homebrew club with this guy, and they go to Europe all all the time. I actually, one of my bros was his birthday was the same day as mine, so he I, was turning fifty, and I was turning forty. Um, so I mean, we we kind of planted the seed, um, and started working on that trip a couple years in advance, right? Because yeah. you you got to build like the consensus. You gotta you gotta tread lightly at home, and you gotta put it all together. <laughs> yes. So anyway, um, hey man, uh, you know, put a big a big trip together for forty, uh, whether it's California or Europe or Chicago or whatever. Yeah, that's my goal. I mean, honestly, I want to do something for forty. I was thinking Ireland. Um, honestly, I mean, I have family. I've been to England a couple times. I've been to Scotland. I've been to Paris. I've been to Norway. You know, I have family um, in England. My father was from England, and uh, my one of the coolest things in sixth grade. Right after my dad passed away, my family, my his family, actually, we went there for 30 days. We were there for almost an entire month. And my um, uh, grandmother, grandmother and grandfather took us around in a pop-up trailer. And we got to, like, experience the entire country of, of England and got to see some cool stuff in Ireland and, I mean, uh, Scotland. And got to take jet foils from, um, from uh, Dover over to Paris and some cool stuff like that. So... I've seen some cool things, but it's definitely been a long time. I haven't been out of the country even since, wow, 96. So it's, uh, it's something that I definitely want to do. And uh, I would love to go do the tour of Guinness and stuff like that. You know, I know that's probably cliche for a lot of people because it's not craft beer necessarily. But Guinness is Guinness. I mean, come on, man. Like, it's just one of those experiences that I would love to be a part of. My brother-in-law actually got that experience. He went over there for a week for a, a, um, a uh, I think it was like a, something for his job where he went and they did like a um, some type of a conference over there. And he actually got to go do the tour of Guinness and he's not a beer junkie like me. So it was kind of like, I, I got to watch from afar and kind of see his experience. And I was kind of like, that should have been me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, uh, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I've heard, I mean, dude, there's, it's amazing to really think about the craft beer scene and just what's out there and how many other countries are getting involved and getting behind it. And it's exciting to me. I mean, I, I would love to be able to do more traveling, you know, and as my kids get older, you know, I have one that's turning 18 in two weeks, you know, she turns 18 on February 13th 
And then I have two uh, munchkins. My uh, my middle one is 12 and my youngest one is nine. So I got a while before they're out of the house. But eventually, you know, I would love to uh, to be able to do some more tours abroad and stuff like that and go check out some beer stuff and see some really cool old breweries and things like that. So I'm excited that you've been able to experience that because that's you know, that's something that a lot of people don't get to experience. So it's pretty cool <laughs> that you've been able to go over there and check that stuff out. Yeah. yeah beer, beer tourism is, you know, again, I, it's, I don't like, I don't like to hop on the trend. Right. Right. Um, but I do like to see things that are cool and old school and like original. So when you say Guinness, like, of course, like if you're a beer guy and you're in Ireland, you, you better go to the tour. Exactly. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, Heineken used to have a really good tour. Um, my first tour ever, um, I was 18 years old, just graduated high school. Me and a buddy took a big trip to Europe. Um, one of the first uh, spots on our little 18-country tour was Denmark. Well, they took us to the Copenhagen Brewery. Wow. 18-year-old at the Copenhagen Brewery. So, they, <laughs> you know, we go do the tour and, like, you know, that's I mean, that's back before I even knew what was going on in right, terms yeah. of home brewing. And you wonder where, you know, you get the, the, the impetus to start. Well, it was probably right there at Copenhagen. Yeah, absolutely. So yep. they, they, they gave us the hospitality room. There must have been 40 tables, two, two on each side, like picnic tables, like picnic tables that would hold like 30 people each. So there's like 40 of these things. And right. we're in there, and they start, like, popping, like, cases of Carlsberg down on the end of the counters. <laughs> we're just, like, like cracking Carlsbergs left and right. And then, you know, like, an hour later, they kind of go, okay, it's time to go, Americans. <laughs> that's so funny, <laughs> and we're like, dude. what? We got to leave? No. Dude, that's awesome. That, is, that sounds like an amazing experience. So where are you at beer-wise right now? Hey, you, look, you... I mean, are you ready to go wakey-wakey? Yeah, dude, let's do it. I'm going to grab mine. I mean, I got some beers to drink here. but That's what I'm talking about. I noticed how uh, the Copious has the dry hopped on the uh, yeah on the can. Um, that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, you got to dry hop if you want some aroma. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's a double dry hop, so... And I and I definitely noticed that the copious had more of an aroma than any of the other two. So the uh, between Sykes and Dankatronics, copious definitely had more of an aroma. But it was uh, but I, I I'm still leaning on that uh between the three, dude. I'm still loving the Sykes. I think that was I think that was genuinely my favorite between the three. Dankatronics a close second. You know I mean they're right there like smacking each other. And then copious was kind of my third, but but again, I'm right there. None of that. them, none of them have been in any way, shape, or form bad. It's almost like comparing good to good. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, I mean, hey, we're I'm sure we're probably kind of lucky in that regard too. Um, absolutely. I, I don't assume all these brewers can dial it in every yeah. time, so I'm I'm pumped for New Glory. I mean, again, I found them on social media. Um, you know, as I was traveling through Sacramento, I was like, okay, who's close and who can I get? I mean, I got the fam I got the family in the car. I mean, I literally I, I swear to God, we rolled into them at like nine fifty on like a Sunday morning. Like wow. the tap tap room opened at ten. I was like beating down their door, but we were in between here and the next place. So 
Man, I like the aroma of the wakey-wakey. Dude, that is good. I smell that oatmeal, too. It's got that, you know. Yeah. That it, has like a chunkiness. it has, like, a chunkiness to it. Like, that that thicker body. And it's like, uh, you know, one of the things for me, and I don't know about you, but a lot of the porters that I've had are dark. They're very robust. And they're, but they're thin. And this one has like a like a chew to it, almost like a little bit of a thicker body, almost stout like, but still very. But but if I had if I, if I had to distinguish between the two, I would definitely be able to say that this one's a porter. But that oatmeal consistency is just like it's it it's driving it home for me right now. You like it, dude? I'm loving it. Good. Uh... I just went a little bit south in my in my whole experience. Um, we got talking about it. It, it kind of hit me as being sweet. Um, like, I don't know how much more of this I want to drink. Um, I mean, we were in my wheelhouse earlier with single, double, triple, or whatever. Um, wakey, double wakey, dr- is it hitting you as sweet? Um, let me see again. Okay, no, it's not sweet because it's not... It's not like there's residual sugar. It's probably the oat, it's probably the oatmeal that's giving yeah. it that soft roundedness that yes that that I, I almost had to look at the can and go is there vanilla in this right because it's so strongly flavored beyond the porter right um, right the coffee in the nose and the coffee tastes great I mean it almost like you I wonder like lactic acid and that type of thing um, what do you think could there be lactic acid in this it's very possible. I mean, you figure now I'm, I want to look at and see, is this a, is this lactose based? I don't even think there's a lactose variant in this. So I don't think that, but I definitely vanilla. And then with the flake dotes, I think it just with flake dotes, it's one of those things where it can give you almost like an effect of that, like lactic acid, you know, like, and and with the coffee, you know, it's it's almost like you're combating the bitterness of the coffee with the softness of the oats, and it gives you kind of that that blend that that gives you a little bit of like that acidic flavor. But I I'm enjoying it. But I but I see what you're saying now. Now that I have a couple like swigs back of it, I'm getting. And now that I've lost the nose, which is weird, but I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Where once the nose is yeah. gone. Well, you you can, I mean, of, stir it up again. Yeah, the yeah. No, even if you even if you agitate it, it's not quite as fresh. Right, and the you lose like a little bit of that flavor. And I think now at this point, it's I'm I'm tasting more robust coffee flavor versus anything else. Kind of like the at that point at this point now that the head is gone, the coffee is just kind of like consumed everything. But it's I I'm still enjoying it, but I'm losing that initial love that i had for when i on the first couple sips it looks like there is a little vanilla so maybe that's what i was getting um, yeah it might be I, i'm those... definitely i'm definitely tasting on the on the taste buds i'm not getting it on the i'm not getting it on my initially on my palate but as it cascades past the taste buds i'm getting a little bit of that vanilla it's good like i'm enjoying the brew for sure i'm definitely not uh i'm not i'm not disappointed in any way shape or form but it's uh i feel like with porters and correct, you know, tell me what you think. But when I when I have a porter, 
I'm almost I've almost always been disappointed with a lower ABV porter. When I want a porter, when I think of a porter, even a stout, I want something stronger, heavier, something that's going to really give me like a nice creamy mouthfeel, like something that's just going to sit on my taste buds and just like, you know, kind of like flick me, you know, where you're like, wow, okay, I, I taste that. And I, this one's a little thin. Yeah, I think I think they try to counterplay it a little because – People think that dark beer is strong beer. So if you can get that out of the way for people. um, And then the other thing I was just thinking was I wish I would have picked up New Glory's house porter. Right. Um, Right. I don't know if they have the house porter because if I had their house porter right now, the underlying beer, I'd be like, man, this is a good porter. So then when you dump the oatmeal and the coffee and the vanilla and the jujubes and the, I mean, you know, it all gets to be too much. Um, my boy, John Porter from Smog City, I ripped off his coffee porter recipe, you know, five or six years ago, and I was making solid coffee porters. Um, right, yeah. Because, you know, a porter is a good recipe. By the time you have a little alcohol and you add a little coffee, you're like, hmm, this is good. Um, and then you got to dial in the coffee. The coffee's good. But yeah. then again, like, why do I need the oatmeal and why do I need the vanilla? Right. I agree. And that's like, if you're going to go with a coffee porter, it's almost like, let's stick to the coffee and just make it, make it as robust as possible and give it that, you know, that heaviness that we're expecting from a coffee porter, then to kind of pull back and say, okay, with the oatmeal, it's kind of like masking it and giving it almost like a lightness and, no, I, I agree. I, I, I feel like it's a, they probably could have done better with this one if they would have calmed down a little bit with the oatmeal and just focus more on the coffee aspect of it. Because we're going like, to make a coffee porter. Hit me with the coffee. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hit it and, home. You know? And it's one of those things, like, I'm not going to complain and judge no, a good. beer based yeah. on my um, prejudices. Um, and for me personally, like, I'm a simple guy. Like, yeah. uh, keep it simple. Give me, like... Like, I don't want any additives, but if I have to take one and you dial it in, great. Um, right. did, did you ever get into the grapefruit IPA thing? Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple. I've had, like, the grapefruit um, sculpin, you know, stuff like that from Ballast Point. I've done a couple. Okay. So and you've had a- grapefruit sculpin and you live 2,500 miles away from the brewery? Or yeah. is it 5,000 miles away? So I, like- I would I, – I Suffer to guess your grapefruit sculpin is bunk. Maybe it might be. I mean, if it's that if it's that old, I would imagine that you're probably you know something like that. You need to hit it like right at like fresh. It's got to be fresh, right? And the reason why I say that because Ballast Point is like a good example of my Costco beer, um, where oh man, great sculpin at Costco for that price point. Sign it up. So then you keep pulling bombers, and then one day you get a bomber. I don't know what's happened to it, but that bomber is skunk. It's bad. It's old, right? And and the fresh beer, the IPAs, they got to be fresh. But I'll tell you what, as I said, I'm not into the trend. Grapefruit, sculpin, okay, no thanks. (laughs) Two years later, you know, two years later, man, that that beer was that that beer was perfect for an adjunct because what is the amarillo? The Amarillo. Well, the Amarillo is the grapefruit, right? right? So the yep. hops is now recreating like the, the adjunct. And then what is 
bitterness. Like, well, the bitterness from the grapefruit peel. Oh my right. God. It was like, mm, mm, mm. so that beer kind of blew me away. That beer was probably like the beer of the half year, you know, two years ago. Right. Um, but if it ain't fresh, forget it. So that's right. why, that's why like, it's all local. It's all local. So yeah. for all of us, like sending beers across the country, it's like, man, I look at beer as bread. And like, yeah, we, we wouldn't be sending bread across the country. Are you right. kidding me? Right. And yeah, you know, we were talking, I was talking earlier about my business model of, you know, if I can find a place that isn't serving pretzels, I can come in. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, as far as this whole beer trade stuff, like I know what it cost me to send like six beers and a, and a glass across the country. And I was like, wow. I mean like the shipping costs more than the beers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then, there are cats doing this every day yes. all over the place. Um, I was at Monkish um, that one night, and there's a guy from San Jose, you know, five hours north, trying to fill his bottle shop with Monkish beers. So, right. like, the bottle shops are flying around. The traders are flying around. The pretzel guy is in San And it's like, man, if I can figure out a way to get my boy Luke some fresh Pliny five days after it came out of the brewery and then the guys from, I mean, that's, that's something we got to figure out. Like the funny thing is the Tarpon river brewing is one of my favorite South Florida breweries right now. They're in Fort Lauderdale and they actually own their part owners in the craft brew cartel store that I was telling you about that does all the homebrew stuff and everything. And they're great, but they have no distribution. You know, like you can't go into another brewery or another tap house or whatever. And possibly once in a blue moon, you might find like a tap house somewhere that has their something of theirs on tap. But there's just no distribution. And I think a lot of it has to do with minimums. You know, it's like you have the the, the store, the distributors that would distribute to ABC and Total Wine and things like that. But they have to have a minimum. It's like, OK, well, unless you can, can unless you can produce you know, 5,000 units, we're not going to distribute for you. So I was considering doing something small and being like, all right, like I'll do small distribution. I'll do something, 300 units, 200 units, whatever, and pick up, go around the local breweries that I love, pick up brews and take them to local craft out to local um, bottle shops and distribute them so that people can actually start to get more. Cause some of these places are crazy. Like invasive, invasive species, which I mentioned earlier in the podcast, is one of my favorites, but they have no, like, no distribution, like nothing. Like you will never find their brew anywhere other than their brewery, and that is doing such a disservice to the craft beer community in terms of, you know, such a having such great brews and being able to actually get your hands on them. And it's it's hard. And I, I thought about it, and I was like, man, like. Almost like, have you seen, um, do you mess around with, or have you done anything with, like, Taver, the craft brew app? No. Okay. It's kind of cool. It's a little expensive. I've had some people tell me, oh, it's not expensive. And I'm like, nah, it's expensive. If you're doing, you know, if I'm buying two 16-ounce cans of a triple IPA from, you know, Delaware, and it's 15 bucks for two cans, that's a lot. I mean, let's be honest. You and that's included shipping? No, that's included. That's just for the beer. So the way you do it is they, they do, they, they release new beer every day. And a lot of it is really, really cool because it's a lot of like bottles that you can't get anywhere else. It's like totally, um, really, really small. 
matches and stuff like that. But what happens is you pay an arm and a leg for these beers. And then the way they have the app set up is that every three weeks they do, they'll ship it to you and it's a flat rate. So it's like $14.99 shipping. So the best thing for you to do is to load up and get as many beers as you possibly can in your package for $14.99 shipping. But if you don't have any, if they don't have anything you want, then you're stuck and you can, the cool thing is you can push shipping forward. So like right now, the only thing that I have in my queue is I have some uh, therapist, um, and I can't remember the name of the brewery right now, but it's a triple IPA, 10.4% ABV or something like that. And it was something I wanted to try. I thought it was cool, but I have literally two cans. So it makes no sense for me to send two cans at 15 bucks for shipping. And I spent 10 bucks on two cans. That was one of the cheaper ones. I tend to be more uh, more frugal when it comes to that. Like, I'll look for the cheaper ones that I actually want to try, and I'll, I might do four or five and get 10 to 12, you know, cans or bottles or whatever, and then I'll spend the 15 bucks for shipping. But it, it's cool for people who don't have distribution and don't and can't really – don't have like trade buddies and stuff like that to get brews from across the country, but it is expensive. And dude, just like, you know, I mean, how many times have we spent money on beer at a tap house or whatever else that we wake up the next morning and we look at the receipt and we're like, damn, like I spent that much money last night on like four beers or six beers or whatever the case may be. So it happens. And you know, that's part of just the craft beer scene in general, which is one of the coolest things about brewing your own beer is that you spend what it costs to brew the beer. And then you, can enjoy it for however long, you know, you depending upon the size of the the batch that you make, and you don't have to worry about going and spending seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve dollars on a bottle of beer or a can of beer, you know. That's a good segue. I don't think I finished my uh, story about, you know, you you couldn't buy good, you couldn't uh, get good beer, so you could brew it. Well, then all of a sudden you could get the good beer. But then all of a sudden, it became really unaffordable. Yeah, so then right. you, you had to start brewing again just to, to make it affordable. But then now it's taken a, a, another fourth turn. And then as soon as Costco got beer, I mean, <laughs> as soon as Costco got beer, it's like I stopped brewing. Yeah. I swear, you know, because all of a sudden the bombers were like five bucks. Right. Um, I mean, I was selling my friends bombers for 10 bucks. Yeah. Because I'm a good brewer. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, now my friends can go into Costco and get a Ballast Point Sculpin for like five fifty five. It's like I'm out of business, and I'm, I'm not even brewing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we're, but we're now starting to see cans. I mean, what, they're 6 bucks a piece? I mean, it's good that you got them, um, but, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to give you a bad time for buying your beer at Target, brother. But ah! uh, when, when you're, you're talking about the Target beers, I'm like, Dude. well, I mean, hey, if you're if you gotta go, you gotta get some beer, man. Maybe yeah. and, and a lot of these big breweries that started 22 years ago, they're they're now putting their stuff in Target, and it's you know, it used to be, you know, a good thing. Uh, I mean, I would say Stone. I mean, there's probably yeah. different breweries on the East Coast, but um, you know, all those so, big guys are now, are now, I mean, Hey man, you could probably get that stuff at Ross. I don't know. Brother, I get ballast point sculpting. I get, um, fat, um, what is it? Fathom, their IPA. They've had, there's a couple of them 
that have that show up at Target, and it's Ballast Point, and it's Sculpin, Grapefruit Sculpin, Fathom. I got Manta Ray there. Um, dude, it's crazy what you'll find that like all the way over here, you know. Now you won't find something cool like Resilience or something like that. That's a total wine, things like that. But they have a lot of like really cool like West Coast Stone, Ballast Point. Sierra Nevada, you know, things like that at Target in my area. And I dude, I can't complain because at the end of the day, when you go to like a ABC or a Total Wine, you're paying a premium for a beer. I mean, I never would have thought. Yeah, I never would have thought I would have paid 27 bucks for a 22-ounce bottle of beer, especially, you know, something that's like below 10% ABV and especially a local beer like Funky Buddha or something like that. But it happens because it's the only place you can get it unless you go to the brewery. And if you can't make it to the brewery and you want to try it, then you're like, all right, like I got to do what I got to do. So, <clears throat> well, brother, we are um, an hour and 36 minutes in. And as much as I would love to talk to you forever, my dog is like harassing me because she wants to go outside. So I'm going to cut us down here for episode number 13 of Calling All Craft Beers. Oh, I dude. am Dude, don't tell me I was episode 13, brother. 13. <laughs> brother. Dude, you better make it 14, man. Well, we we might we might have to uh to figure something out here and do some edits and make a 14 or 13.5 or something like that, but but brother, I am amazingly appreciative for having you on the show. It's been absolutely amazing. We I mean, I honestly feel like we could talk for hours more. I can't wait to make it out to L.A. and actually get to spend some time with you in person, which will happen eventually. My whole entire team for my company is actually in L.A. this weekend, but um, I'm not able to make it out there for uh, reasons that will not be mentioned. Um, but hopefully in the future, I'll be able to get back out there and uh, to see you and hang out. And uh, just to be able to enjoy some brews with you and have a good time. But, dude, I really appreciate you taking the time to be a part of the show, and more importantly, I appreciate you just sending out the porch bomb that you sent me and just surprised me with these awesome brews. I have not, I have zero complaints. I mean, so far, I've had five of the six, and they've all been amazing. Last one I have left is uh, the U, what is it called? The U. Ubadunk. That's Uba so Dunk. funny. I got it on my notes. I'm going to have to go check my fridge. I thought we had, it must have got pushed in the back, but trust me, man, I've, I've had a good hour and a half of beers here awesome, um, i'm starting to feel a little fun and uh awesome. dude your show is awesome um i appreciate it i'm i'm glad you're having some success with you know a new venture and finding your audience and uh you know just being real and uh you know obviously your show with the buddy at the beginning of the year i mean that brought it into a whole nother reality and yeah uh, you know all, it, it's all about hanging out with bros so I'm sure for a lot of your audience, like, they're hanging out having a beer with you. And for Absolutely. us, we got to share these beers. So if, man, you could ever figure out a way to, uh, in that distribution game, to, you know, put everybody on the same beers as you and everybody's, like, tasting the beers you're doing for your show. But um, it's been a pleasure, Luke. I thank you for the invitation. Uh, the, the beers were my pleasure. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in Florida. And we'll see who meets each other first. Right, absolutely, me, brother. Me in me in LA with you, or you in L, me in Florida. So. Absolutely, brother. I, I'm I'm so excited and just look forward to meeting you in person and shaking your hand and sharing a few beers with you because 
this has been awesome, and I, I can't be more appreciative. I mean, dude, we're 13 episodes in, realistically, with this episode, and last time I, when I just looked at our numbers, we're at 25,000 plays, which is unbelievable to consider the fact that the the podcast that I had previous to this was with a company that multi-billion, multi-million dollar company, I mean, making tons of money, putting money out, putting this, putting their podcast out there on YouTube, on their social media channels with hundreds of thousands of followers. And we were probably at about 20,000 followers, 20,000 plays after 20 episodes. And I'm on episode 13 and hitting 25,000 plays. I am like, I don't even, I mean, there's not even a word to express how I feel and how appreciative I am for the the people that, that jump on here and listen to the show and just enjoy it because I try to be real. I just try to be me and enjoy myself and have a good time. And, um, and I really, really, really appreciate you being a part of that. And I look forward to putting this episode out there and just kicking ass and moving forward. And hopefully this, uh, this, um, will prove that we need to have you on the show more often. <laughs> ah, uh, I can't wait. And, um, cool. I'll get you some uh, some more beers from this coast. Certainly, if you got any that you're looking forward to, um, or you got your eye out for, um, yes. I'm going to be going up to the Bay Area again uh, in February. Um, I can probably grab you some Russian River um, or whatever else might be on your list to put on. Calling all craft beer, great stuff. I, I appreciate it, brother. Thank you, guys. This is uh, episode 13.5 of Calling All Craft Beer. Thank you, Drew, brother. It's been amazing. I've really appreciated having you on the show and uh, just look forward to this episode dropping probably tomorrow because I have some editing to do, but uh, I'm very appreciative. Thank you, brother. And guys, later.